Okay, I'm glad you're here. I want to um, I want to discuss a, a, a bunch of things and uh, sort of all uh, revolving around um, the idea of exile and and the nature of exile and also um, its flip side, uh, redemption. And uh, I want to begin with something that I heard from Reb Shlomo, which is a definition of exile, which I think is very um, just, it resonates a lot with me, and, and, and I think that we can see this in our own lives, we, you know, which is that, here's the definition, that thinking uh, that tomorrow is going to be the same as today and yesterday. And that's, that's, that's sort of a drag, because basically the future on, on some level is, is unwritten. And we, we tend to think that just because today was like today and yesterday, yesterday was like yesterday, tomorrow is going to be like today and tomorrow is going to be like yesterday. And that's the nature of exile. Thinking that this is just the way it is and it can't change. So in, in terms of trying to understand our lives, I, I just want to read you a paragraph here from, from Reb Shlomo here. He says, he says, so you know something? There really is no law in the Torah when it comes to how much I have to exert my head or my heart to understand what it says. You have to learn, as simple as it is. On a very simple level, I have to learn 24 hours a day. By the way, that's just worth pausing there. That the commandment to learn Torah is actually ongoing. You know, it's actually 24 hours a day. So, so some people just kind of like make that their full-time job and they'll learn in a kollel or whatever it is. So that's a very, very high level. But for those of us who work in things like that, we should just know that when we're walking to our car or when we're waiting online at Starbucks or in the supermarket or whatever it is, to the extent that we can use that time to sort of like review our learning or to have a book with us, you know, and to just go over something, that's a very valuable thing to do. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of times, so many of these um, books are so deep, Torah books, that... Sometimes we do ourselves a disservice by reading more than one line at a time. <laughs> you know, so we shouldn't think that, that just reading like two lines, especially if you're reading um, uh, Torahs from Hasidic Rebbe's and things like that, which is absolutely one of my favorite things to do. You know, in three lines, they can give you something to think about for the rest of your life. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, diminish in our, in our own eyes the importance or the greatness of just reading three lines, because that's something that we'll have to think about for the rest of the day. And then we'll be able to, to keep this mitzvah, basically, of learning on an ongoing basis. But anyway, let me keep on uh, reading from Rav Shlomo. So how, how deep do I have to get? So this is what he's asking. Do I have to learn every word two million times to understand it? I don't understand it. How much, now here, listen to this. How much do I have to pray to God to understand it? Let me ask something else. How much do I have to pray to God to understand my own life? How much do I have to pray to God to know what is going on in the whole world? How much do I have to pray to God to understand my whole generation? To really know what does God want of me now? I know exactly how big, how big tefillin have to be. I know how big tzitzis have to be. But this knowing of what God wants of me, I don't know. There are two ways to handle it. I can pray for it, or I can mamish say to God, 
Rabbanu Shalom, Master of the Universe, please, please, please bless me to know it. I'm begging you, God, please bless me to know it, because otherwise I'm dead. So, so what was so strong about that for me, there's a lot there, but, but you know, a lot of us, a lot of us are so trying to understand some of the, I don't want to call them smaller things. Tefillin, there's nothing small about tefillin. It's one of the greatest things we can do in our life. And it takes five minutes a day, you know. I don't want to diminish it, but Reb Shlomo is making a juxtaposition here that I think is really, really valuable. Which is that while we're trying to understand the, the, the nature of, of the mitzvot and things like that, let's also try to understand why am I alive at this time in human history? What, what is going on in terms of the world right now? What is going on in terms of this generation that I'm living in right now? What is my role in that? You know, because then you can begin to direct why God put you alive at this moment in history. And these are very, very big questions, but these are very essential questions. You know, I once heard a, uh, an analogy, a mushal, from Rabbi Tatz. And he was talking about how, um, you know, and he was talking about people growing in terms of observance and spirituality and things like this. And he was saying, he was comparing it to someone learning how to drive like a, a truck, you know, like a delivery truck. And you have to make a, you have to drive from, let's say, one side of the country to the other side of the country. And so you have to learn the map and you have to learn all the traffic laws and you have to get your license and all these details, Right. And so you drive to the other side of the country and you actually get there, right? And then you come back and, and then the person says, when you got to the other side, did you drop off the merchandise? And the person says, oh! <laughs> you know? So, in other words, we're sent on this mission and we have to learn so much, we have to learn so much, we make this journey to this, to, 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 to this side of the universe, if you will, to this dimension of reality. And then after 120, we ascend back up. And God said, well, did, did, you, did you deliver the merchandise? I, I gave you this particular mission to, to deliver into the world. This truth to reveal to the world. This set of talents in order to maximize the revelation of my oneness in this world. To be good to each other, to love each other, whatever it is. Did you do that? It's like, oh, I was so busy, like... You know, dotting my I's and crossing my T's. So, so, in other words, what I'm trying to say is that, that while we're just trying to get the basics down, let's also appreciate the fact that we could have been born at any period during human history. And the fact that we're born right now with this particular set of talents, we have to ask ourselves, Why? You know, there's an, another story of, of travel, and maybe, maybe we'll just end with this, that, uh, that I want to share. It's kind of a famous story, but, you know, it's so good that it's really like, I never really even think about it, is the truth. So. I'm, just, I'm just so happy to say it over. I wish I could tell you who, who said it. I don't know, maybe it was the Chovetz Chaim, I don't know. So it goes like this. 
And it really gets at just basically why we're here and what we're doing here and just kind of like kind of like the whole human condition, basically. So basically, the story goes like this. There's a very, very poor family and they can't make ends meet and it's really getting bad. And the, the, the father, the man of the house says, you know something, there's a distant land that I've heard about and basically there's diamonds everywhere, just all over the place, just diamonds and diamonds. And uh, if I can make it there, then I could bring back the diamonds and we'll be okay. But it's going to be like a really long, hard journey. And the family, you know, says, okay, why don't you go for it? Why don't you go for it, you know? So he sets out on this journey. And at the end of this very, very long, hard journey, gets off this ship onto this island, and it's covered in diamonds. It's all true. There it is, just diamonds and diamonds and diamonds. Like, imagine yourself just picking up sand on a beach, but it's all like diamonds, right? So that's where he is. And he's very hungry and he's tired after this long journey, but he made it. And he goes up to a a stand that's selling food and he orders something to eat and he eats and he's getting his strength back. And the person, you know, he goes to pay the bill and, you know, he's, you know, got all the diamonds, right? So it's no problem. So he goes to pay the bill person gives him the bill and he goes to pay with diamonds and the guy says, diamonds? What are you, a joker? <laughs> you know? We don't take diamonds here. You know? And so he says, well, what do you, what do you, what's valuable here, right? They say, he says, chicken schmaltz. Right? That's chicken fat. You know? So, the guy says, well, where do I get chicken fat? You know, where do I get chicken schmaltz? And the guy says, well, I'm not just going to give it to you. You, you want to make it, you got to earn it. Go and wash some dishes. So he's washing dishes and he's got to pay his bill and now he's got to get a place to live. He's got to pay some rent. And then he's got to get a ticket off of this place. That's not free. So he's got to start working and accumulating schmaltz. So he's working, he's working, and now it's expensive and it's a period of time and his you know, what is valuable begins to shift in his brain and he starts to become more successful and accumulating more chicken schmaltz and he wants to make sure that when he gets back to his family after this amount of time being away that he can justify this amount of time being away so he's really got to, you know, deliver the goods. So after a period of years... He gets back home and, he's, and they're so delighted to see him. And he says, look, you're not going to believe it. Look what I have. And he shows them barrels and barrels of chicken fat. And they're like, what? What? What did you do? What happened? And he sees like, just like in the cuffs of his pants, like sand, you know, gets there. He has some diamonds. There's some diamonds, but not a lot. And so, so this is us. This is, this is our whole lives. God sends our soul down into this dimension, into this world. And he just litters, he, he litters the entire world with mitzvahs. He litters the world with diamonds. Each one of us is a diamond. We're all diamonds. 
And what happens is that there's, you know, there's, there's a term, it's called going native, right? This is like a real, this is like a real psychological phenomenon where you go on a mission and you're like undercover, so to speak, and you get so entranced and hypnotized and absorbed by the native culture that you forget your own culture and you just take on the values that are there. And so what happens is, is that we come down to this dimension, our soul, we're sent down here in order to do like great things, and we become entranced with physicality and materialism. Chicken schmaltz. And we forget what it was that we were supposed to do. And then we come back up after 120, and we say, look, look at the size of my house, God. God says, really? Really? You know, the rabbi is saying, this is in the Gomorrah, this is, not a, this is not a joke. One of the reasons why we have 613 mitzvahs is that no one should be able to ever complete their life without performing some good deeds. God basically made it impossible. These are sort of like the diamonds that get into the cup of our pants, if you will. God made it impossible for us to actually get through a lifetime without doing good things. But the question is, how do we stay focused? How do we stay focused on what we're here to do? How do we escape this exile mentality, this notion that tomorrow is going to be like today because today was like yesterday? How do we escape this trap? And so we have to understand that, that you know something? Don't say 50 years from now. Don't say 50 years from now without saying if Mashiach has, hasn't come before then. Don't say we're fasting this Monday night. How do you know we're fasting this Monday night? How do you know this Monday night's not going to be a holiday? Do you know? Do you know? You don't know. God promised us that one of these years it's going to be a holiday. So why shouldn't it be this year? You know, like Reb Shlomo used to say, one of my favorite things, he would bless couples when they got married. He would say, look, it took one couple to get us into this mess. Right? So who's to say it's not going to take one couple to get us out of this mess? And as long as it's one couple, why shouldn't it be the two of you? Right? So it's going to happen. And that's, that's, that's the reality that we have to live with. And then... We have to stay focused on our own mission, and that's going to get us to that place. Now, just end with this one thought. Rabbi Shlomo says something very intense. He says that the destruction happened on Saturday night, and that we knew that Shabbos, that the temple was going to be destroyed. And he said, you know, that, that Shabbos before Tisha B'av is called Shabbos Chazon, which means the, the Shabbos of seeing. So there's this almost prophetic clarity that we get blessed with. He said, can you imagine how on that Shabbos, knowing the destruction was going to take place that night, how everyone looked at each other? How precious everyone was in each other's eyes? Right? How much we all saw each other as diamonds? And so that's, that's what we've got to get back to. That's what we've got to get back to. You know, God has littered this world with beauty. He's just littered it with beauty. 
And we can't, we can't afford to get used to it. We can't afford to look at it without seeing it. You know, a very interesting teaching. When you make Kiddush Friday night, while you're making Kiddush, or if you're not making Kiddush, whoever is, is making Kiddush, if you're at the table, during that period, while Kiddush is being made, and of course, Kiddush Friday night is a testimony of how God created the world. That's what we're saying over the wine. You're supposed to look into the Shabbos candles. And it says that if you do that, the teaching is, this is on a mystical level, that it corrects one five hundredth of your vision. Okay, so what's the, how does that work exactly? The idea is that during the week, we're rushing so much that we actually start to become blind to what's around us because we get so used to everything. We don't see the beauty around us anymore. And what happens on Shabbos is we just stop and we get back into harmony with creation. We get back into harmony with our own lives, with our own souls, and with the beauty of the world again. And by looking at the candles at that moment on some sort of like mystical DNA level, basically we're restoring our vision because we're saying no and putting a stop to this idea of looking without seeing. So, so the last thing that I would say is, my sister said this actually over Shabbos, and I was so touched by it. You know, we talk about, we talk about opening up our hearts. So, I don't want to just talk about eyes. See, because Tammuz and Av, the month of Tammuz, which precedes Av, which begins this period of the three weeks, which is all the same, this whole exile kind of neighborhood that we're in, in terms of the calendar. Tammuz is the fixing of hearing. No, I'm sorry. Tammuz is the fixing of seeing, but Av, Av, is the fixing of hearing. Okay? And so when we talk about opening up our hearts, we're also talking about opening up our ears. You see? Because if someone is speaking and someone is sharing their pain and you're not hearing what they're saying, then it's not just your ears that are not open. It's your, it's your heart also that's not open. So if you want to sort of like give yourself a little check and ask yourself, is your heart open? Your ears also have to be open because you actually have to hear what other people are saying. So that seeing and that hearing, opening up our eyes, opening up our ears... Really, that's the rectification of Tammuz and Av. And that's going to bring the redemption. Okay, guys. So, yeah.